I grew up with the Star Wars West End games uh, RPG. Uh, so rolling handfuls of D6s uh, to me uh, for role-playing games is kind of what the D20 is for a lot of others. Um, so when I came across the Year Zero engine uh, system from Free League Publishing, uh, it kind of felt a little familiar. And it's come it's become one of my favorite systems uh, to role play in. So this is a, a, a segment or a show that uh, has been requested for a little while, and I'm glad to finally get it on the show. We're going to be talking about uh, our top five Year Zero Engine role-playing games. Stick around. Hey everyone, welcome to Victory Condition Gaming. My name is Doug. Today on the show, we're doing our top five Year Zero Engine role-playing games. Um, so this is, this is like I said, this is a, uh, a topic that, that folks have been asking for a little while. I finally figured we should probably uh, probably address it. Maybe five years from now, we'll do a top 10 list and update this list. Uh, we'll see. Um, but before we start, I just want to say that if you enjoy this type of content, if you'd like to see top five, top 10 lists, hit that like button down below and uh, let us know. So we'll do more of these, uh, these kind of uh this type of content in the future. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate that. Uh, it helps us grow on this channel. And uh, we do all sorts of things, like more more of these lists if we find that uh, they're well-received. And of course, we do interviews and, and uh, actual plays and, and all sorts of content. So uh, we'd love to have you as part of our, uh, our VCG YouTube community. So joining me for this list is the one and only Geek of the North, one and only Jason Hunt. Jason, Hello. thanks for coming on and doing this top ten, uh, top five list of uh, Year Zero engine games. No worries. You, you and I are pretty much the the fanboys of uh, Free League uh, and the Chaotic cast. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, the other thing is, uh, when I said that we were going to do a top five list, you sent over your list, and it was almost almost exactly the same as my five list, my, my top five, <laughs> which I thought was really, really cool. But then I'm like, oh, wait, there's, you know, how long is this going to be? Because, you know, if our, our top five lists are, are exactly the same, you know, maybe this is only going to be like a 10 minute segment. It's not so, going to yeah, be. Spoilers are going to be. No, no, it won't it, be. It, not with we, me around, no. We've got, uh, we've got uh, some, we're, we're going to talk about a few, a few of these games, but uh, how did you find the, the Year Zero engine games? Uh, to start out with was it through me yeah it was through you dude. was it through me all right i i had heard of uh mutant year zero before uh actually because i was eyeballing the game on the pc uh they actually released a pc game for uh, mutant year zero and a friend of mine was playing it and i thought you know what this actually looks pretty cool but i never associated it with free league really i just i thought well this is kind of a neat little role-playing game i never heard about it before and then got over a year and a half later i think is when i ran into you and then i found um originally year zero through you um uh well mutant year zero anyway um and then just moved on to other aspects of it as time went on with you yes very cool um the reason why this is, this is a top five list and not a top top ten list is i don't think there's a ten, i don't think there's 10 year zero engine games out um, right now i want to say seven yeah, so um, there there is an open license for it. So if you would like to uh, create a Year Zero engine 
RPG. You can uh, you can go on mm-hmm. Free League's website and and uh, and figure you know. And there's even a workshop uh, that you can download the the the, the yeah. like the template of the system uh, on Drive Through RPG. So uh, hopefully, may- maybe even before five more years from now, hopefully we'll do a top ten list even even sooner. I don't than think that. it'll take that long. No, I don't think not so. The, not think the way so. Free League is moving right now. Yeah. Um, we should talk. We should just mention one game that did not miss that did not hit our uh, our top five list, and that is uh, Twilight Two Thousand. Twilight Two Thousand, while it technically uses that Year Zero engine, it's it's a really really heavily modified version, and yeah. for that reason alone, it kind of fell out of my top five. Um, I, I consider it a Year Zero game. But I yeah. don't know if I would say it's a Year Zero engine. It's it's not. Like, it's, it's it's yeah. It's like in the vein of like what do they call it? Similar, similar but legally distinct from. It's similar but different. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that immediately wiped it out. But I'm excited. Let's get to our top five. Uh, we'll get right to it. Let's get to number five. Number five for our top five list. And it was amazing that our, our pick was the same for for number five, and that is Coriolis. Yeah. Coriolis uh, is one of the uh, IPs that Free League actually owns now. Uh, it used to be owned by Paradox, and then within the last couple of years, uh, it uh, it was recently acquired by uh, Free League Publishing. So now it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a universe and a sandbox that they can actually play in uh, and, and create even more content for. And uh, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I'll put a couple. Uh, the way I pitch uh, Coriolis to folks... Uh, that uh, are new to the game. And it's amazing because this game in particular has seen a huge resurgence. Uh, this has been out for quite a few years. This is one of their first couple of RPGs that Free League has put out. And um, it's seen a resurgence because of the popularity of, of Alien, uh, that RPG, which, spoiler, might might appear on this top five list later on. <laughs> Could um, possibly, maybe. So Coriolis, I tell folks, it's like Firefly meets like any of those properties or if you like a mixture of those properties i think that coriolis is definitely uh, an rpg to pick up and and i'm a big i've said this quite a quite a bit i'm a big sci-fi rpg nut so uh coriolis definitely drew me in as soon as uh it uh, was announced and, and and launched on kickstarter um i think it's one of those hidden gems from 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 uh, freely publishing the, the difference with this Year Zero engine, though, is when you uh, push your rolls. Of course, we know the way the, the Year Zero engine works is is uh, you roll, and then usually if you don't get enough successes or if you don't get a success, you can push your roll. But any usually there's some sort of negative ha- thing that happens when you when you push your roll and re-roll the dice. Um, with, this, with this system, when you re-roll, you give the GM darkness points, which the GM can accumulate over time and then make bad things happen. Which I think is is really clever, and uh, I I like it a lot. I think it's I think it's a, a neat way to do it. Um, Jason, what what are your thoughts on Coriolis? Um, thematically, I would say it's pretty much the same as what you described. I would I would use those same words or same uh, influences to describe it. The thing that I like about Coriolis the most is it takes the standard Star Wars Star Trek future and makes it i don't know i want to say tosses it out the window but it makes it more realistic if that's even mm-hmm, an, mm-hmm. Uh, if that's even a fair comparison for a game um they add a lot of gritty down to earth 
um, day-to-day stuff into Coriolis, not to make it like a regular lifestyle kind of game, but to show you that not everything is all sunshine and lollipops. And frequently uh, it is lollipops are poisoned. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's like, if you want to play a hard sci-fi game, Coriolis is actually not a very um, difficult game to learn, but it can be played very hard sci-fi oh, yes. if you want. Definitely, um, definitely. There's lots of, there's lots of, uh, well, there's very little like character handholding. Like if you look at things like Starfinder and stuff like that, um, there are lots of ways for your characters to uh, dish out damage, to take damage, to avoid damage. That's not the case in Coriolis. Your characters are flimsy. You have to make smart choices. You can't just, you know, do the whole last stand of the Alamo in front of hordes of rampaging aliens or whatever, because you're just going to get mowed down and moved over. Yep. You need to be smart about it. So it's a sort of a thinking man's sci-fi. And that really, I think, sets it apart quite a bit. Um, Absolutely. I started uh, listening to the Coriolis Effects uh, or the, the guys at the Effect podcast. Uh, they are huge into Coriolis. That's that's of course that that's the the game that, that they inspired their podcast, which is really yeah. Cool. That's where that's where they got their beginning actually, and the work that they've done on that over the years is amazing. Like if anybody wants to really learn about Coriolis, go back and listen to a few episodes of that, and you'll get hooked. I guarantee it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. Um, it does a great job with uh, uh, you know you. You're assigned like a role, a role on the ship as well, on your spaceship as well. So you know, a lot of times you're taking jobs and trying to pay off your ship. So it's it, yeah, it's everything that I love about sci-fi. There's a little bit of mysticism in there as well, and, and they manage and, to get slice of life in there perfectly. Yeah, yeah. No, like, it's there's some day-to-day stuff you're gonna have to do, but it's in space and it's sci-fi, so it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I I really think that uh, of course there's already been two campaign books that have been put out uh, emissary lost and the last cyclade there's a third one on the way um, as of as of this uh, this broadcast um, so it, the it'll be interesting is, the content yeah. really it's not like standard RPG content where it comes out and it's like okay your characters need to be um at this stage of gameplay or this content is of little value to you it doesn't ramp up like that it's just this is the expanding world this is where we're giving you options to go to we flesh this out for you and you can take your adventure here and make of it what you will and that is the best kind of expansion content you can ask for absolutely the one thing that i wish that this game had is a starter set I think if it had come out, if it had been kickstarted within the last yeah. year or so, or the last couple of years, I think it probably would have had a starter set. And I think with that starter set, it would be much more, it would probably wouldn't be still like one of the big selling titles for free league, but I think it would be a little more popular just because it would be a little more accessible. Um, it'd be great to see uh, them. I, I don't know what the plan is for, for Coriolis, but I, I I'm hoping that once they, once they put out that third book, they might go back and, and maybe do a revised edition of Coriolis. I don't know. I, I, I Don't quote me on that because I, I don't know for sure. Uh, but hopefully if they do that, they'll put out a starter set, you know, because I think the starter sets have been really, really good for Free League. Their starter sets are amazing, actually. Um, every time they do, when, is, it, is it spring they do that sale? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's I think usually, spring. usually every spring. spring they have this big, like, Hey, it's, you know, the world's thawing out. Let's get some gaming in. And they put a lot of really great deals on their website for people who are just getting into games. Um, so there'll be bundles 
of like the core book and both the expansions. Um, and there's, a, I think, a bunch of maps and stuff included in there as well and stuff like that that you can get for super good deals. So if you're just getting into it, it's well worth picking up something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That's our number five. Let's move on to number four. Number four is, uh, which w- I thought was crazy that, the, again, this was a, a pick that, that both of you and I uh, just, uh, agreed on for number four. Uh, this is probably the RPG that I would argue put Free League on the map as far as uh, being, uh, you know, uh, old words. <laughs> what's that? You think you know? You, you think that Free League? I think it did. I think I think it got the most like notice. I think uh, you know uh, once. I think once they were it fortunate. I think they were fortunate that Stranger Things landed at the same time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> this guy kickstarted the same time as Stranger Things. You know, right before, right before, Super it got helpful. before uh, Stranger Things launched. So uh, yeah. the timing on it was is not lost on us. It was perfect, actually. It, <laughs> yeah, number four is Tales from the Loop, um, and this is a uh, an RPG based on uh, Simon Stallenhog's work, who is just an amazing gentleman, and uh, he does all these uh, interesting alternate 80s uh landscapes and uh yeah it's it's based around like this government facility called the loop and there's these weird things that are happening in your hometown so you play as kids in the 80s trying to solve like figure out different mysteries that are going on in your hometown and you're not quite sure what's causing them um but most of the time it's tied to this loop there's like rundown electronics like so you, you see a lot of like broken down electronics in the landscape all over the place, man. I'm telling you, Tales it's a great genre. Is a great genre. Of course, now it inspired a uh, a, a TV series which is on Amazon. Uh, yeah, I watched. I haven't. Yet. I haven't finished it yet, but I've. I think I've seen three episodes of it, and it's every bit as fun as the game. It really is. Yeah. Uh, I think as far as our top five, I think this one is probably the most rules light. Yeah, um, for sure. Because you play as kids, and of course, you, you don't want kids to to perish or anything in, in, in an actual in a, in a role playing game because that's just not it's icky. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, being an '80s kid, like oh, man, this just this just hits home for me, and super fun. Uh, there is a great starter set that that, can't, that, that that's out for yeah. this um, to get you kind of up and running. It's got a great. Uh, we've done the uh, the the scenario uh, that the adventure from that starter set on this show, so yes. um, you can go back and watch that. But yeah, if I'm kind if, of, wait, go ahead, go ahead. What do you think is going to happen in like 15 years when us 80s kids are all like in our 60s and stuff like that? Like a new generation is going to pick up this game and be like. What the heck were kids doing back then? Right, right. <laughs> oh, man. Like if, you, if you ever wanted to know what it was like to have z- literally zero responsibilities as a kid growing up, Tales from the Loop is an excellent way to involve yourself in it. <laughs> the other thing that I love about this game is not just the, the setting and everything, but I, I feel like this is a great like gateway RPG for new RPG players. Mm-hmm. Just because of the the way that it is and the the, the rule set and how it's very very narrative, um, yeah, and it doesn't like, demand a lot of serious business talk, right? Right. Like serious things can happen, but because you're playing as kids, 
you're not expected to be, you know, like, oh, I must make the correct decision here. It could be just, holy cow, this scared the crap out of me. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to push this button. I don't care what it does because I'm hoping it's going to work. And you're going to, like, an adult would never make that decision because they would sit there and debate it with themselves and everyone around them for 25 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Jody says, I've never had a bad convention experience running Tales from the Loop. That's awesome. Yeah, every single time I've played it, it's it's been super, super fun. And um, I say that a lot about a lot of things, but I, I really <laughs> enjoy uh, Tales from the Loop. And uh, I, I've played Things from the Flood a few times, and I don't know. It just, it's it's great. It, it is what it is. And I, I just, being a kid from the 80s, just like, I kind of want to go back to that time yeah. and, and play in that I think... for some reason. I think at this point in time in gaming in general, because there's so many 80s kids that grew up uh, and they can relate to this, and especially with Stranger Things floating around uh, and stuff like that, it really made this game very accessible to a lot of people as as gamers. Like you can drop Tales from the Loop on a table with a bunch of younger kids and say, okay, here's what we're going to do tonight. We're all like, you're going to play this character. I'm going to play that character, you know, and you let them be kids. That like that is the best way to play this game. Like even with even with the adults, let the adults act like children, and go with it. And I guarantee you, you will have an absolute blast. So we have. I have a store. I think I've mentioned this. I know I said I mentioned this at conventions and, and, and expos, but I have a store that's north from me, uh, by about an hour and twenty minutes away, and. Uh, they they were playing a, a regular game of Tales from the Loop, a campaign game, and their campaign map, the store owner uh, who runs the game, uh, actually found it an old uh, map of the mall from the '80s, like one of those <laughs> one of those placemat maps that, yeah. that, that they used to, where, where you the, could all the stores listed. And it's got like <laughs> Orange Julius in it, and yeah. I can't remember like some of the other like Payless shoes. I think might have been in there. Um, so like, that's their campaign map. That's what they play. Like whenever they reference something, that's what they reference is, is this old map from the, the eighties that he somehow found. I don't know how he found it, but, uh, yeah. When he told me that, I was like, that's pretty cool. I, I cause I remember them all from the eighties. So yeah, that's just it was, super cool. It's easy cool. to play too, because it was a super simple time where a lot of things were just the way they were. And there was no looking behind the curtain with a lot of this stuff. So when you're playing a character in tales from the loop, you just kind of, you accept weird things because it's a weird thing and it happened and I'm a kid and I'm trying to, I'm being a kid and that's it. There's no over analysis. Absolutely. Absolutely. So number four is tales from the loop. Now let's get to number three. Number three. Did you have to say it like that. Yeah, I did. That's my, that's my, no. my voiceover voice. Number three. Number three. <laughs> Jason, you know, I, that's what I get paid the big bucks for. Okay, um, that's so, fair. I just okay. uh, our number threes were different. So this is this is where our our, our list kind of deviates a little bit from each other. My number three is higher up on Jason's top five list. So I'm not going to talk about my number three until we get to until we get to it on Jason's list uh, on Jason's list. Uh, but Jason's number three is Jason. Jason, yes. Jason. Yes. I love this game. Both because of the accompanying art book, which is amazing, at, and you don't really need it to play, but it's amazing. Um, it gives you a look into what mythology was like in Europe, which is completely different than what North America has turned it into, like what Disney has brought you over time, adapting all of the all of the uh, fairy tales, like Grimm's fairy tales and stuff like that. Um, they have a whole 
new world for you to explore if you like fairy tales and folklore and stuff like that. And the entire concept of it is just old school investigation, um, almost like supernatural, but back if it was in like the uh, 1700s, 1800s, you're investigating weird paranormal phenomenon and discovering strange things about the creatures that, you know, you thought were all fairy tales and folklore, but in fact are actually real. Um, the atmosphere that the game lets you generate is you can, you can almost feel it. And I'm not saying like you, you don't need to be a spectacular GM or, you know, like the next Matt Mercer, like everybody likes to talk about to convey that atmosphere, the artwork in the books, like Doug is showing right now, does it all for you. Like if you're, if you're running a game of this, just open up a page and say, Hey, this is the scene that you see before you. And this is the, this is the beast that appears before you and it will sell itself time and time again. Vason is one of those books that of course it, it won, won a quite, won a few Ennies last year um, in, in 2020 uh, or 2021. Um, before that it, it didn't, it, it, it released, but it wasn't really, it didn't have that. I don't know what I want to say. It didn't have that spark out of the, out of the gate. Um, but as soon as it won those eddies, it, it, it definitely it sales. We saw sales, you know, I think start because to go it up. was folklore based. Actually, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one yeah. of the reasons why I, I'll talk about this in just, just a little bit, but once it won its once it won those Ennies, it, it definitely we saw sales spike right up and, and go go right up quite a bit. Um, before that, and even now after the fact, um, Vason is one of those games where it sells really great in person. Like, and there's just something about the book itself. Yeah, the texture of the pages. Yeah, they feel old. The yeah. cover is the cover's texture, amazing. So it feels old too. Yeah. And so when you hold it, it feels like almost like a relic from that time. Mm-hmm. It's and an old library book. It feels like an old it library does. book. It does. And and I'll tell you what, as soon as you put it in people's hands, that's when it goes. That's when the, I, I say that that's when the magic happens. Because yep. then they open it up and they see the amazing art and they're just like, oh man, this is so cool. You know, if you look at that book on a shelf. Okay, yeah, the cover looks cool. It looks it looks pretty neat, but it's not until you hold it that I think that it yep. just it just like okay, now I gotta have it. That's where Free League's production value sells. Like everybody talks about great, well well made books, you know, well designed, well laid out, whatever. This book has a feel in your hands, like you just found it in your grandpa's attic somewhere. Yep. And it was covered in dust and you just knocked off the dust and you're like, well, what's this facing thing? And you opened it up and it just sucked you right into the world right there. <laughs> uh, we, we did a two part uh, episode on a uh, basin uh, when, when the book came out. And I think we've done a couple other sessions as well to follow yeah. up. But the one thing that always makes me a little hesitant about running Vason is the fact that I don't know a whole lot of like, the, I, I don't know what, I know it's supposed to be mythic. It's like the mythic North, you know, but yeah. I still don't like, I know it still references real world places and like it, it actually is folklore that's tied to real world places. Yes. And, and I yeah. feel bad because I don't know that area that well. <laughs> you don't want to misrepresent something. I don't want to yeah. misrepresent something. I don't want to mispronounce yeah. something. Yeah. And like, I appreciate anybody that tuned in and watched that and still enjoyed it. 
But man, I was very self-conscious because I, I know that those are towns and those were areas that people, you know, yeah. actually can reference and actually and grew up in. Or, it's or, a mythology you know, that people in Europe are actually familiar with. Like, right. If you right. like, uh, I talked to Dave uh, from Effect Podcast actually uh, a little bit about Vason once when we were getting ready to uh, do a, that alien show. Actually, I asked him a couple of questions about it in, in behind because his wife is excellent with pronunciations. She was the one who corrected us on, on Merke Berge. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I still can't say it right. I Oh, it hurts my face to say it like that. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, like this is folklore that they're very familiar with. So right. like when you, when they see a Disney film that takes like a Grimm's fairy tale and makes it something different, they're like, what are, what, what? I mean, I know, it's, I know you did this for kids, but geez, guys, like, right. so like I, I, it's almost one of those games where you want to have access to somebody who's European, who understands a little bit about it, just to use them as a resource. <laughs> I, the one thing that I really am excited about for this game, because there's only been this game and then the, uh, the other secrets, the other mysteries. Um, book and that, well, now they, they just did, they're doing mythic Ireland right now. And now yeah. They're going to do Britain, other sorry, Britain. books. They're doing a mythic Britain and Ireland, um, which I think is great. And I, and I, I'm excited to see that, fine, that, that, that book come out. Um, because I, I like I like these folklore kind of things of, of each area. I can't wait to do a, uh, a a mythic like North America source book because man, we have here in Vermont we've got Champ who is like a, who's a lake monster, and for years mm-hmm. for decades people have swear that they see Champ, and I would love like. I, Thomas knows how to get a hold of me, but uh, I've told and I've told him yeah. this a few times. I would love to do a a uh, a, a lake a Champ lake monster adventure for for their north, north we have north, um north the lake we have here uh we have a, a a big fish called the kinusu who is supposedly lives in in the lake and he's a giant fish sure <laughs> uh and of course we have like sasquatch and all those other ones oh yeah there's all the standard north american ones yeah uh, most of them she, adapted from the indigenous peoples of course uh, Jason says, uh, Doug, look at it this way. How well do you know Tatooine or Dagobah? Those places are from the 1800s, so local history is meaningless. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I don't think that. <laughs> no, that's not. How do you know it's pronounced Dagobah? <laughs> Jason says, plus, your game is your game. I know, I I know. And if it were just for for like a handful of people that were playing in it, but when we do like broadcast content yeah. that gets to, it's on the to thousands of people uh i i really I'm, I'm really hesitant about that and i try to well, be really good about look it. at how i got brought to task for for using religion in the star wars that's true play. that's true you got uh, you get oh, called out boy. for that so um <laughs> yeah no i i think it's good i'm excited for the future of, of basin um love the art love everything about it it didn't just barely it's like my 5b on my top 10 like that that was almost there and i think maybe once more content comes out for it it will probably crack that top top five here at some point we'll see i've recommended it to at to a few people who like uh, cthulhu and stuff like that oh absolutely because it has a very cthulhu vibe to it, it does it does all right that was jason's top that was jason's th- third uh, pick uh which my pick will which which my third pick is later on, as I mentioned. So let's get to number two. Number two, you might be surprised. I'm, I'd be curious to what uh, if the chat has any any inclination of, of what our number two is. 
but it was a it was agreed upon, which I thought was really crazy because I thought it might be your number one, but it was <laughs> your number two, mm-hmm. and that's Alien. Yeah, Alien. I love my aliens. Alien is probably one. Of, it's the top set, seller for uh, for league publishing as of this moment. Um, yeah, just I love the Alien movies. I think that I like the, uh, I like the movies, but I love the world more. I do love the world. Um, I love how this year zero engine is tweaked to make you feel like you're in the movies. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't. Do you want to be I, terrified I know, of your own dice? Play Alien, <laughs> right? I I know you can play cinematic and you can play campaign. I think this system shines in the cinematic. Like, I I think yeah. if if you're playing an alien game, you're expecting a certain result at the end of it. So I think cinematic is where this this game shines. Nothing against the Cloning Marines Operations Manual because it's a wonderful book. It is and, an amazing book. You would think that there wouldn't be that much to explore in the Colonial Marines, but they make it work spectacularly well. I the other thing that, that just sells this book is the art of the book and the way it is laid out. Um, the book itself is just it's black, but it almost looks like a like a screen from the alien ships. Almost if that's if that makes any sense. The at the publisher side of things, they were like, "You want to use how much black ink?" <laughs> Well, do I we think ha- that do we have that much. <laughs> I think they're kind of no. I mean, Coriolis has a lot of dark ink in it. Yeah, as Coriolis well, is so. Coriolis is also a very dark book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, man, some of my best gaming experiences have been have been Alien, and I I say this quite a bit. It's one thing to create a character and play in an RPG and have really incredible moments but it's another thing when you do that and your incredible moment that you're remembering and you're talking about for years to come is when you die <laughs> yep. in, in, spectacular in deaths <laughs> there's like that's something special and i think alien does that tremendously i i wasn't quite sure how they were going to use that year zero engine to make it feel like alien but holy smoke. That... You know what I found weird about Alien um, after the fact? Actually, um, when we played, when we did our actual plays, uh, everybody, when the, when something happened with the stress dice and somebody panicked, nobody ever complained about right? the panic. But if you were to play like Dungeons and Dragons and you put in a mechanic that forced a character to act a certain way, Yep. Oh my lord, the arguments you would get into. My character wouldn't do that. My character's never been known to do that. There's no way my character would do that. And they'll stomp their feet and get angry faced at you. But not an alien. An alien, when it happens, you're just like, this is so cool. <laughs> my character is about to get his head crushed by something, but this is amazing. <laughs> I love the hidden, the hidden, like, um, what is it the the hidden role mechanic of this game too because everybody has like a, a role that they're playing that they try to want to when mm-hmm. they're when they're trying to uh get yeah. they're trying to accomplish something that nobody else is supposed to know and man that... it can be tough 
it's hey, like it's that. That's so where all of my sometimes. personal stress comes in when I play an alien game, knowing that I have an agenda that I'm trying to accomplish, even if it's not the Android mechanic. Oh yeah, like that's, I, like which I is myself, brilliant. like I, my character's like, oh, you have the agenda. You have to get to this spot and pick up an item from here with no one else finding out about it. And you know a certain thing or whatever. Right. And trying trying to accomplish your goal and not let anyone else find out about it and also find a way to work your hidden knowledge into the into the role play. That's where all of my personal stress come from <laughs> in those <laughs> in those playthroughs. I didn't care what the dice were doing. I was just like, I, I need I'm trying to come up with like role playing reasons like I need to get to this room and no none of the other players want to go anywhere near that side of the ship. And I'm just like, oh, I need to find a way. <laughs> uh, I, I love how that stress mechanic is just a great throttle for GMs too to kind of mm-hmm. like you know, make sure the story just keeps going the way it's, uh, yeah. It can, it's, it can build up really fast, but as a GM, you see it coming. Yeah. Like you watching your players roll, you're like, okay, the, the stress is starting to build up to a point where somebody's going to crack at any moment now. So as a GM, you can all, you can always say, okay, um, when somebody panics and something bad happens, the next room supposed to have something weird in it. I'm going to remove that to allow, right. to allow the party to make a, a hasty escape rest up a bit, drop some of that stress to a point where it's not gone, but it's manageable. Right. And then let them press on from there. Yep. No, I, I, I love it. Uh, Gaska has done a great job writing these books. Um, of course, we just... Are you allowed they, to call him that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he just can't call him Drew because only his friends call him Drew. Right, um, yes. I have to call him, I have to call him uh, Mr. Gaska. Mr. Gaska, Mr. yes. Gaska. That's, what I was, that's what I was getting um, at, yeah. No. Uh, but uh, Drew's done some great stuff with this. And I love the fact that he's kind of got his hands in with other people that have the IP. So like that fire team, uh, alien fire team game, uh, like there's things that popped up in that video game that referenced the, the clone Marines operations manual and how yeah. now we're doing this thing with the Titan books where he puts kind of like, he puts a, an adventure in the back of the books that kind of, you know, ties in with the story that's in the book, but you can play it with the GM, with the, the RPG and just just some clever clever stuff there that that uh, uh, I I'm I'm excited to see what uh, Drew does with this Gaska verse for Alien. That's what I call it. It Gaskaverse. is. You know what? He probably absolutely would hate you calling it that. No, no, I he loves it. He loves it. He, oh, he, really? he laughs when I call it that. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's a hundred percent valid. This is yeah. this is Gaska's sandbox now. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, it, yeah. He, he does. Uh, uh, I, I'm happy that this is such a, a big success for him and it's led to and other things for him. So. Like we've had him on the show a few times and yeah. his, his enthusiasm for the subject matter yeah, he loves is, is ratcheted up to 11. Like yeah. he can talk at length about very nearly any subject in the alien universe. And, and we talk some about things that he hates to talk about, but. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, Again, we, we've talked about a few things that that, that Freely seems to do really well with their RPGs. I think finding like their anchor person for each line, and having someone that's really, really passionate about the I, that that particular IP is something that they've been very, very good at finding. Like they found Gaska, who his just loves it. They found um, Francesco for. You know, for for the One Ring, and he loves Tolkien, and just super, super, uber, you know, knowledgeable in in, in all things Tolkien. You know, we've got, uh, of course, Matthias with with Simbarum and, and all that. So it, it's just really great to see not only 
them be excited and just love what they're creating, but have it shine through in the finished products too. And I think yeah. that that's, uh, that, that's and Andrew's favorite. pretty, I don't, I don't want to say uncompromising, but he has a vision for it and he, oh, he does. he'll, he'll push for what he wants. Like when we talked about, uh, stuff that he had to take out to make the book reasonable size. Right. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I it was, it was, it was like trying to pick which baby to get rid of. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. He, he likes to write and that's, uh, he's really good at it. So, you know, when you're good at something, you like to do it a lot. So we need to get that's... him a front facing camera though. No, he likes that angle for some reason where it's like really? okay. facing down on, I don't know. <laughs> but, that's so strange. Oh, well. That's our number two alien. The role-playing game. Uh, plenty more stuff coming for for that uh, for that IP, and I'm excited to see more of that. And and I think that's one of the reasons why it's so high on my list is not only does it have a lot of material, but it adds a lot to the. It gives us it, what what the Star Wars RPG did for me in the '80s by filling in a lot of gaps and giving me all sorts of information that mm-hmm. I didn't have access to previously because of the movies. I feel like that's what alien the role-playing game has been doing even though we've gotten some movies you know since since the original you know since i want to say i almost said the quadrilogy but we're not going to talk about (laughs) yes that's a whole other show (laughs) um but uh you know i I feel like it's filled in a lot of that world that uh, maybe we, we weren't aware of previously so all right let's get to it our number one number one picks jason i'm gonna let you go first on your number one pick um and i'll let you give uh, your your number one pick i'll let everyone know that this was my number three pick so take it away that's because doug is wrong no Uh, no no i'm not wrong at all my my top five list is far superior uh, 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 just because you work for really no 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 Uh, it's 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 not to be honest with you if if folks would like to put their top five lists in the chat (laughs) or in the comments i would love to see what your top five lists would be i'm not going to say it's wrong i'm not going to say it's that's doug wants you to validate his choices as no well. that's not it at all <laughs> i would be curious to see what people have for their own opinions it was close it was interesting that ours were so similar ours were and very so similar yeah. I, I would be i would be curious to see if it's it's if it's like that for everyone you know for a lot of folks i'm not gonna say i th- i don't think you can go wrong with any of these games that we're talking no, about tonight no the fact that they're ranked one to five is irrelevant honestly it's not like right. worst to best it's just and, these are five games that are really good <laughs> and next month it might be you know my number four might be my number two i don't know we'll yeah. we'll see all right anyway my my number one is forbidden lands which is um probably the best world that i've encountered outside of old school forgotten realms or greyhawk or anything like that like everybody does a world building when they do a fantasy game. Everybody's got to have their proprietary world. It's just a thing that happens, you know, like uh, Critical Role has Taldore uh, and that sort of thing. This world comes in the in the core book so well realized and so like they balance everything out so well. They make It's a very gritty game. I'll tell you that right now. It's low fantasy. You're not, uh, there's no, there's no wizards flying around lobbing fireballs in the sky and all that kind of thing. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's dark fantasy, but it's low fantasy. And that means that you can get into a lot of trouble very quickly in this game. Um, it has the standard push mechanics for roles. Um, one of the best features in the actual game itself, well, not the game, but like the mechanics itself is the usage die system that they've implemented. 
um, rather than track inventory, like you don't have 12 torches or 25 days worth of rations, you have rations and they have a D6 value. So if you use a ration, you roll a D6. If it comes up a one, you drop down to a D4. And if you roll a one again, you can't get any lower than a D4. So you're on rations now. So your archer has say D12 arrows when he starts and the likelihood of you rolling a one, it's pretty slim, but it will happen eventually. And that is one of the best ways of tracking inventory without needing to be constantly tick, 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 tick on a sheet that I've ever seen. And I love it to pieces, but the world itself is just very compelling. Um, they, they do a great job of world building and creating a, the setting that draws you in. At, at no point are you like, wow, I wonder what would happen in this place. By the time you're done reading the core rules, you will know exactly what would probably happen in that place because they do such a great job of conveying the tone of the setting. And that doesn't happen very often. And this is also um, one, of the, one of the free league games that has the amazing books they're small. Mm. They're not, they're not your standard D and D size books. They're small. Um, but they have the same sort of covers as the Vason books do. And it's a very rough kind of fabricy library book feel to them. They are absolutely beautiful to hold. I've got my copy like, right. I've got my, uh, my player's handbook right here, actually. Yeah. Um, they are astonishing. Like this, and this, yeah, th- this is one thing that, that, uh, that I've said, I say this a lot at, <laughs> at expos. Um, the one thing that I don't like about Forbidden Lands is that it comes in a box set. And the box set, not not that it, not that the box set, I don't like the box set. It's the fact that you can't see the beautiful books in the box itself. Yeah. And like, yeah, once you open that box set and you see this, there's two of these in there and some yeah. and a map and some stickers and and you, you yeah. see the quality and you see the the, the product itself, you're like, "Oh my god." What, how much is this? This is what 50 something bucks or something? Like, yeah, how for the price of one fifth edition hardcover, you're getting a really amazing value if you pick up free, uh, Forbidden Lands from Free League. That and, um, actually, um, Patty's correct, the books are an unreliable narrator, yes, they will give you information, but they won't give you answers, so it leaves it to you and your party to decide how things go from there. There's no um list of you know a leads to b leads to c leads to d leads to e win it's you start off at a there's a bunch of other letters around check them out see what you find see what you learn see if you survive and it's i don't i should i should say it's low fantasy and it is survival fantasy like ewok said but it's not so brutally fatal that you're going to murder your characters all the time you can be incapacitated fairly quickly if you make mistakes but there's ways to recover from that that aren't ridiculously time-consuming, as uh, some games, unfortunately, suffer from. But the pacing of this game and the tone of this game will have you playing for a long time because it does away with a lot of the bulkier mechanics that a lot of newer games fall victim to in favor of the standard Year Zero engine, which holds its own easily in this game. You... You have a, a core set of abilities and you work on that and you can expand your abilities as you go, just like any other game, but they don't bog you down with endless lists of things. And there's no tiers for you to achieve. You just adventure and decide for yourselves where you're going to go, what you're going to gain, what you're going to lose. 
I love how, of course, the, the like I said, the box set comes with a map with like legacy stickers. I love how like you can make that like world and that land your own. Yeah. Like there's something the, really special about that. It's funny because a lot of people balk at stuff like that. They want to put a sticker on their map. And I'm like, no, do that. Do it, yeah. Every time, every single time and, you want to do that because your players get so invested in that sort of thing. Everybody's like, oh, I don't want to use a, like, uh, I want to use a vinyl sticker instead of an actual sticker. And I'm like, that's fine if you want to be able to reuse your map. I get it. You don't want to go buy a new map every time you do a campaign. But honestly, the frequency at which most people run campaigns, you're not going to be buying a new map every three weeks. No, no. You're going to, you're going to have that map for ages. The, so, the other, the other thing that I love about this, uh, and, and Jason says, uh, plus Eric Renstrom, who is the, the, mostly the writer on, he did the, the, the core book a lot and, of it, and yeah. uh, uh, he's done the, the the latest expansion, which is coming out later this year. Uh, is such a great guy, always active on the Facebook page. Yeah, he's there's a great Facebook group uh, for Forbidden Lands uh, for Forbidden Lands on on Facebook. Um, and yeah, he's he's very he loves to kind of just give out teasers as to what he's working on or what he's thinking about, and he'll 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 like, hey, I had this idea. What do y'all think? And, and he loves the, the the interaction and the feedback yeah. from 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 players. Um, just and he's just a super super nice guy. Like Grant, like I would love to to just sit down and, and uh, have a meal with Eric because I I feel like that would just be just a really great experience. Um, I love how they do the expansions as like other books and other maps. So your your base box set has one map, and then like the next campaign book you're going up north and you're exploring that like continent and you're, to that's Canada. a whole other thing, <laughs> you know, it's frozen and bitter and, and not good. And uh, not, no, not, not, not Canada. I'm not saying I can't, I'm just saying that like bitter reach. Yes, that, he was folks. Um, and then of course the next one is the, the blood March, uh, which is going to give you a whole other uh, continent. I, I'm just, I love that idea. I think it's super clever, super, super smart. Even if I didn't like work for free league, like, I think that's just clever in general. Like, I, the nice, the nice thing yeah. too is when they do progression in books, it's not power creep. There's no, there's almost zero power creep in Forbidden Lands at all. It's just yep. they provide you with a new setting, and you can adventure there or not. And it's up to your GM basically. If you want, if you want to increase your, have your existing characters roll into the new land in the frozen north or whatever, you can take your existing characters, and then your GM will just ramp up the difficulty a little bit of the monsters and whatever you encounter. But the books themselves aren't like, hey, this is only suitable for characters at level 10 and 12 or whatever. Right. So the, the content is valuable to you no matter what. I love I love a system where, you know, fighting should probably be one of the last options. Yeah. Like, and I feel like Forbidden Lands definitely does that. Forbidden when, Lands, like, you just, when, yeah. When we did that actual play, there was a couple of times where when, when I had that you guys were at that cabin and you were being attacked you guys ended up negotiating your way out of that because right. we got the you guys got to a point where it was like i don't think we're gonna survive this if we keep swinging our weapons so it immediately turned into how do we end this fight instead of how do we beat these guys patty says it really has a strong focus on exploration that works with the setting too this may be my number one well see see doug see i'm not saying it doesn't it's not worthy of a number one spot i'm just saying <laughs> For me, I, you know that I'm not a big sci-fi guy. I mean, I, you're, I'm not a big, space, I'm not a big fantasy guy. I'm not. I'm like keep keep trying, Doug. <laughs> although I will say, Forbidden Lands, that's my go-to. That is that is like if I'm going to play fantasy RPGs like yeah. that. 
Forbidden Lands is, you, is my yeah. Is if you asked me to play, uh, if you told me that you wanted to play in a fantasy setting game, I would definitely go to my Forbidden Lands books before I went to anything else. All right. Well, I guess I've delayed it long enough. It's time for my <laughs> number one, and it should be no surprise as to what my number one is going to be. My number one is Mutant Year Zero. <laughs> Mutant Year Zero, you you have to give it to the number one spot. It is the... It's the reason we have any of the other ones. the reason why <laughs> we have a Year Zero engine in the, in the first place. Yep. I... But more than that, I love this game. Like, I think as much as Coriolis is kind of like one of those games that's on the... Uh, like, a hidden gem, I think Mutant Year Zero is another one of these games that needs to sell more. I, I So I tell folks that everything, if you are a fan of like Walking Dead and X-Men, if you were to combine that together, you would get something that's kind of like Mutant Year Zero. You've got an arc where you're, it's like your, your home base where you're trying to help build it up and you've got this community that you're trying to like protect, but you know, it's going to fall. Like there's no saving it. It's, it's not a matter of if it will fall, it's going to fall. It's just a matter of how long it's going to last until it falls. And so you have to go out into this wilderness and scavenge for, items and along the way you're going to be encountering all sorts of weird things um you know it's kind of a cool premise because built right into the system you have a home base that's always going to be there well not always but for the purposes of the game you have a home base and the job is to go out into the wilderness there's no pretense necessary for hey we know you know, the guy down the road needs milk. Let's go get him some milk, like the fetch quests in, in MMOs. It's just, hey, we're out of, we're running really low on electronics. So you and your band of buddies, heck, get the heck out there. Go find something we haven't already scavenged. Get us some electronics and get your butts back here. And that's that's your whole adventure premise right there. Boom. Yeah. Uh, the graphic that I just put on the screen that has so much like the Walking like Walking Dead vibes for, yeah. for me. Like it just it just just. That's that's what it t- triggers for me. I this is the first game that drew me to Free League, and once I started playing it, like I said, it, it gave me it's it's not quite the 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 West End Games D six system, but it gave me that kind of feel because I'm rolling D sixes and I love D sixes and and the system was super easy to pick up, and your characters are flawed and fragile and you're in this yeah. unknown there's, there's no epic hero in mutant year zero <laughs> and, and, and supposedly there's this rumor where, where things aren't or, or there's this paradise out there but nobody knows for sure man it it's just like it's me. like alexandria in the walking dead let's yeah. get to alexandria everything will be better in alexandria let's go let's constantly be pushing <laughs> i love this and I, and I love the fact that like you're playing in like Earth, you're playing in Earth, but it's an Earth where nobody remembers anything like previously before this whole fallout. Like, so you're going to come across these weird relics, and you're going to, as a GM, you're going to describe what this relic is, 
and it could be like a screwdriver or something, but you're not going to say it's a screwdriver. You're going to say it has like this yellow plastic handle with this pointy part sticking out, you know, because it's like the little mermaid character, right? (laughs) You're not going to know that that was a screwdriver. You're going to know that that was a relic from the past. And for all, you know, that could have been something vitally important to, you know, help humanity survive. Or maybe it was some, you know, fierce weapon that, that only gladiators had at that point. I don't like, I love this game for so many reasons. Like, and it's just, it, it hits so many, it checks so many boxes for me. And I love the fact that there's like these four core rule books that you can all kind of put men together that I know it says mutant year zero down there on the banner, but I, I love gen lab alpha as well, where you play as mutant animals. Um, in, in Mutant Year Zero, you play as mutants, of course, in, in the Apocalypse. In, in Gen Lab Alpha, you play as mutant animals. In Mutant Mechatron, you play as sentient robots in like an enclave that's underwater that humanity was supposed to go to, but they didn't end up going to. And all the robots are just doing their thing. It's kind of like Wally, but like you're starting to come <laughs> alive and you realize that, hey, guess what? Everybody's doing their jobs. We've been doing this job for hundreds of years. Um, Eventually, these are going to keep stacking up, stacking up, stacking up, and we're going to run out of room, and we're just going to like kind of demolish this place here. Do we at some really point. need this many cups and plates? I don't know. <laughs> I I love and I love that the tweak to each one has like their own like little tweak to them too. So they're all all play a little bit different. Um, and then there's Mutant Elysium where you play as uh, the last human enclave underground, which is very like ju- Judge Dreddy kind of uh, very much. Kind of yeah, yeah. It reminded uh, so, me quite a bit of a Judge Dread style thing. Yeah. Mutant Year Zero, I, I really, really can't say enough how much I love Mutant Year Zero. It's probably, uh, I know someone asked me at one point what my favorite RPG was, and I said it was Mutant Year Zero. I, I don't know of anything else that's kind of dethroned that for me lately. But uh, The nice thing about the Year Zero engine for Mutant Year Zero as the core is it has enough mechanical intricacy to it to make it interesting but it doesn't have so much that it becomes a game in itself. The rules, you learn them, they're very basic. There's a lot of intricacy. It's kind of like chess, you know? It's easy to learn how to Mm -hmm. play chess. It's very tough to master chess. But the rules get out of the way after you learn them and you get familiar with them. There's no, oh, how do I do this? Or what do I roll for that? You know, your GM rattles off a stat and a modifier and you take your dice and you roll and that's the end of it. Yep. So yep. like mechanically, it's an extremely simple game to teach and learn. And then it all becomes about the setting and the, pl- and the role playing, you know, occasionally you'll get into fights and you'll need to overcome obstacles and you'll roll your dice for that. Just like every other game. But until then you can role play without fear. And that's what a lot of newer games can't manage because you're afraid that if you do the wrong thing, you're going to have to roll a dice. And if you have to roll a dice, that's going to be the end of you. But yep. mutant year zero doesn't punish you like that. It can if you push your luck too far, and that's your own fault, though. Then <laughs> you choose to do that. That's not just the dice saying, ha-ha, punch you in the face. So that's probably one of the biggest accolades I can give to the Year Zero engine. It's a chunky enough engine to make it fun, but then it gets out of the way. Yeah, it's it's that great combination of just a little bit of crunch and a little in in a lot of storytelling and, and pushing the, you know, the it's it just yeah i don't like crunchy rpgs like with a lot of rules and a lot of math and that kind of just kind of just takes it all away and, and i do gives, like them but they have they have their place and their uses 
And I don't, yeah. I, as a, as a go-to, I won't pick one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That is our top five list of one of them year, was better than the other year zero engine games. Let us know in the comments who had the better top five list. We'd love to, <laughs> love to tell, love to hear. Um, there is only one right answer for that question. And uh, I won't say who it is, but you can't uh, mute any of these people. Doug. Um, <laughs> no, I, like I said, all these games, you can't really go wrong with any of them. Uh, but yeah, definitely let us know whose top five list you, you agree with more. And if you would like to put your own top five list uh, in, in the comments. We'd, By we'd all means, to, we'll I'm see, happy to debate yeah, top five lists. We'll, we'll see, what, <laughs> uh, see what everyone else thinks. Um, if you'd like to see more of these top five lists or top ten lists or these just lists in general, hit that like button down below. Um, and uh, if you're coming you walk agrees with me. What's that? You walk agrees with me. Well, you know, that's all right. Love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you would, uh, if you haven't already hit that subscribe button, we'd love to have you as part of our VCG community. And uh, we'd love to have your input on uh, all of our, our lists uh, here on the channel and uh, all of our actual plays and content. All right. That's going to do it for this episode uh, of uh, Victory Condition Gaming. Remember, winning shouldn't be the only victory condition when you get to the table. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Jason, for giving me your top five list and being a part of this, this show with me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all next time. Bye now. Thanks so much for watching this video. Uh, if you would be so kind, make sure you hit that like, comment, and subscribe, all the YouTube jazz that we're supposed to do here. Uh, it really is greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to support us more, uh, you can uh, check us out on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com backslash victorycondition gaming.